podcast is brought to you by Book Hoarders Anonymous. To satisfy your book cravings, visit bhapodcast.com or follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Hello and welcome to Tech Access Weekly, a podcast of unspecified length concerning news and events in accessible technology. To get involved, send email to techaccessweekly at gmail.com. Follow TA underscore weekly on Twitter or call 260-2-ASK-TAW. This is Tech Access Weekly, episode 134 for Wednesday, April 4th, 2012. I am Aaron. I'm Rodney. And this is Wings and Things. Can I get some linens with that? <laughs> yeah, maybe not today. Okay. I'm not sure what to think of that, but hey. Hey, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a sort of light tech week, but we sometimes let the week go maybe a day or more. Thursday, if it's a really boring week. But this week we cannot, because I will be appearing tomorrow night as a guest on Cero Talk. God help us. <clears throat> Spectives. Produced by the Cerro Talk Podcast Network. Uh, and this episode will be hosted by Lisa Salinger, and there will be several distinguished guests. Somehow I got to be one of them. Perish the thought. They have low standards. Uh, so you can uh, listen to that either in podcast form or at the event tomorrow night uh, through we- Accessible Event at 9 p.m. Eastern. Or on iBlink Radio. Oh, yeah. How could I forget? mobile device. But I don't think you can listen to it as it's going on, can yes. you? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, hmm. you can. Oh. That shows how little <gasps> you listen to it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it, though? No, oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, so that should be fun. We'll be talking about all sorts of interesting things. Do you know who the guests are? Uh, yes. There is... Would you like to enlighten us? Yeah, I do believe that Robert Carter and Daryl Shandro are going to be guests along with me tomorrow night. Aha! And I'm not sure if there's another one. I think there was someone that she was waiting to hear from. Uh, but as far as I know, those two will be on there with me. And Hopefully you can get a word in edgewise. God, I hope so. Uh, and also, this weekend, I will be recording along with Shannon Curry, the second episode of Book Hoarders Anonymous. So that should be out either at the end of the weekend or very early next week. Uh, early next week, our demo cast is also going to be coming out, our second demo cast. Yeah, if we can come up with something to put out. I've already that. got it. Oh, okay, It's already cool. done. I just have to, you know, well, polish it a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, and so we'll be recording that. Uh, Book Hoarders... This weekend, and the homework, in case you all didn't know, is to read The Hunger Games. And I will be here, uh, we'll both be here talking about it. I know we both just reread the book in preparation for the podcast. Uh, And I saw the movie last weekend, so I will be in with my wonderful commentary on whether I liked or did not like the movie and what was good and not good about it. Ah, yes. Uh, From a blindness perspective, what was good and not good. So I think it was a lot like Castaway. Yeah, kind of. Except but not quite that extreme. No, not quite so. that extreme. It, it It's kind of interesting. So anyway. Yeah, uh, it was the women folk that were invited to that, not the men folk. Well, it's interesting because at the very last, you know, when, when, we, when we went to the 
dinner thing, a couple of the women's spouses showed up because they came to pick up the kids because some of the women brought the kids with them. Aha. Uh-huh. So the spouses showed up to pick up the kids, you know, after the dinner. And one guy actually did go with us, but I think he kind of felt a little out of place. Ah, uh, yes. I could see that. Because there were like three with kids and then the two of them left and then he was there and he, you know, he and his wife were there as a couple and then there were all these other women and I don't think he was tremendously comfortable. <laughs> huh. Okay. In the group. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to take a whole bunch of women to the movies because they'll eat all the popcorn. Well, we had already eaten dinner, so we didn't buy any popcorn. Oh. But I will say the movie tickets were cheaper than I thought they would be. So yeah, that surprised me too. They were only eight dollars for that. Eight fifty. Everybody says, yeah. "Well, movie prices are so horrible." Granted, seeing as how the last movie I saw in theaters was uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance back in how much did you pay for that? How much uh, did you pay? Do you remember? It's like five or six bucks. But then we went to the uh, Harris Teeter grocery store right before we went in and purchased like. Uh, various accoutrements to smuggle in so that we didn't oh. have to purchase. Well, I'm thinking in 99 when I went to see the X-Files movie, which was the last movie I saw, it was around 650. Okay. I think. 6 Yeah, it was like 650. So, not too terrible. Now if I had bought concession stand crap, it would have been a whole lot more than that. Yeah. Well, that's why so. we smuggled uh, uh drink, <laughs> we smuggled drinks and M&M's and something else. I can't remember popcorn? what else we had. No, we didn't do the popcorn thing. We needed things that we could easily smuggle milk in. Milk Duds? Uh, could have been. That was always my favorite movie thing. I always had to get a box of Milk Duds. Mm-hmm. I f- didn't Sunday, although I did think about it just for old time's sake. Yeah, but that would have been like six bucks. <laughs> I know. I think when I got it in 99, it was like three fifty for a box. I do believe. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of... Um, in Austin, Texas, and I think now they have one in San Francisco. They have a place that uh, Brian Brushwood always mentions called the Draft House, Alamo uh-huh. Draft House, and they actually show movies, but they also serve dinner Ooh, during it. That's so nice. That's kind of a different thing. I've heard of places like that. You know, that'd be kind of cool, other than uh, the typical crud that you'd normally get the juju bees and such. A mm-hmm. um, couple things of listener mail to talk about. Uh, Marvin Hunkin um, emailed in and asked, actually one thing of listener mail to talk about. He asked if Safari was accessible with JAWS on win- Windows. And my answer is, I don't know. Um, I haven't had a chance to try I that I have tried Safari with JAWS and Windows. The last time I tried it, it was not accessible. You could not use, I don't know that I could even get it to navigate links or do anything. Um. So maybe Jaws so, 13 has improved I don't think so. use with it. but I doubt it. Um, I bet but somebody out there in the listening audience If anybody knows, let us know. I'm not interested enough to try. <laughs> I mean, I have it, but I just um, haven't, been, haven't gotten around to trying it yet. Okay. And so that's it for listener mail. Yeah, because we I think low on I think pretty much you want to hit the uh, Mozilla and probably Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer, and possibly try Chrome. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's got a long better. way to go. It's getting it's better getting better. What a lot of people I say. will say it's definitely getting better. So, so anyway, that is the depressing little bit of mail. As she mid dings me. Of course, it's fun. Okay. It's time for security news. More developments on the flashback Trojan. Ooh, it's like Vujia Day. Yeah. Um, 
Well, this week on, I guess it was Monday of this week, April 2nd, uh, the flashback version K came out uh, for Macs and it was found. And this was an interesting variation because it would actually impact your Java um, in your web browser. So it would possibly switch uh, addresses for websites that you were trying to go to. And the key part to this was it would actually not require your administrator password. So it was kind of a little bit more evil than previous flavors of the virus. Well, come out on Tuesday, everyone was saying, hey, go ahead, you'll have to re, uh, you have to disable uh, Java in your browser. And a lot of security experts say, well, technically, you probably should have two browsers, one that uses Java, one that doesn't use Java, and then just use the one that doesn't until you actually run into a situation where you need it. So, Apple, in quick-moving fashion, which they normally do not do, uh, released a Java security update that afternoon. So, on yeah. April 3rd, there was a new update that fixed the Java issue as well as 12 other vulnerabilities, I think. Uh, Something we, like that. Yeah, we have an article from uh, Macworld that details all of that. You can get it from your system update, or you can actually go to Apple and download it yourself. Um, the interesting thing about it is that I did not realize that Apple actually grows their own kind of Java. They're yes, not using they do. the Oracle Sun version. No, they do not. And so the article that we have from Monday uh, about the flashback uh, Trojan says that they contacted Oracle and Oracle had put through an update, but Apple had not. And that's actually the first time I had heard if you've got a PC, you go to Sun Microsystems and, you know, Oracle and do it there. But in order to get Java for the Mac, you have to use Apple's version, whatever they do to it to make it different. Yeah, they just don't like playing with everybody. No, they don't. So evidently their Java version is no better than the Oracle Sun Java version that is actually buggy as well. Evidently not. Oh, boy. Don't get me started on how <laughs> crappy that is. <laughs> <laughs> As we've mentioned in previous times, Adobe has finally released a Flash update that includes auto-update. Hold on there one second, partner. The auto-update feature only works with Microsoft Windows. Oh. Yes. It's only Windows? Now, Flash, Adobe Flash auto-update only works with Windows. Oh, bummer. At least that's what I think the articles are all saying. Yeah, it's there's some conflicting views. I think they're probably going to have a version for other operating systems, but Windows is the first one because it has the largest install base at this point. Apparently, the way it works is that it runs in the background continuously, and on days that updates are scheduled, it checks every hour for updates, and then on days when updates are not scheduled, it checks once every 24 hours for an update. I'm going to guess that most likely it's going to ding you right on uh, Sunday evenings from 7 to 10 p.m. while you're doing probably the Probably when Al Apple does at 8.58 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that is. That's, that's bizarre. But uh, this is an interesting thing because when you actually try to install the update, it will automatically have auto-update enabled. Mm -hmm. uh, so it will sort of give the non-techie person the influence to... Yeah, it sounds like a good thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to hit next on the installation. Um, I have not heard of anyone trying it with Nine Night yet, 
because you can download Adobe Flash installer from Ninite and then just run it over and over again and it'll update. I'm assuming that it would automatically turn on updates for you if you were using that since uh, screen readers have an issue with the Java installer. I mean, the you Adobe Flash, Flash installer. Yeah. Oy. Java, Adobe, Flash. Yeah. They all kind of are buggy and irritating. Yeah. Uh, Adobe has been getting a little bit of flack because they put an ad on their Ew, Adobe updater. Weird. Now, they are promoting a product called System Health Check that you can do for free. Now, a lot of novices are probably going to say, oh, I could check my PC for problems. Let me do this. Um, yeah, it's by this company called ELO. I-O-L-O. Like Igloo, but no G. No G. And um, essentially what it does is you go on the Adobe website and, of course, you download the update. But it also says, go to this site if you want your computer checked for viruses. And then it will run a scan of your computer. And the scan is in like nine separate stages. Apparently, it's said to be very exhaustive. And uh, it finishes scanning and tells you the errors you have and then says... We can fix these for you, but we want money. So pay a certain subscription, a yearly subscription for our services. I think that's $30 or something like that. And $10 for a one-time fee. If your parents would have seen this, they would have oh, already purchased gosh. it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Because I think they pay AT&T like $100 a year or something to support them. Something I think your mother like said something crazy like so. that. And yeah. I'm like, eh? Why? So anyway, beware of... System health checker. Yeah. And apparently it's not a scam. I mean, the company actually believes in its mission or whatever, however you want to call it. Yeah, it's but a scam. it's not that effective. Uh, yeah, the CNET person actually took it and installed it. No, the ZDNet person. The, yeah, on a virtual machine. Installed it on a virtual <laughs> machine and it didn't take into account any of the updates that had not been installed. It said, oh, you have 250 some issues, but it didn't also take yeah. into effect that... And a hundred and twenty some Microsoft patches were not, and installed. even above and beyond that, it said he had a corrupt hard drive. Yeah, it was I like that was all funny. over the place. So <laughs> uh, it it almost has that feel of uh, antivirus two thousand nine, that mm -hmm. virus that was going around saying, "Hey, you have six hundred viruses. You better pay yeah. us to get rid of it," and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, if you hear of anyone saying, "Is that system health check worth it?" No. No. You can uh, protect yourself best by updating your products as needed and make sure you have all the updates for your operating system. That's the <laughs> best practice. And don't be an idiot out there. Don't install just everything. Ah, must be time to move on. It's time to move on. You're babbling enough. Uh, global Payments, uh, in charge of routing transactions from various credit card companies, including Visa and MasterCard experienced some glitchiness over the past couple of months. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little bit difficult to figure out exactly when this credit card breach happened. Uh, some reports say January and February. Another one says March. Uh, Global Payments has put out a message on their website detailing some information, but it's still kind of vague. Also vague is the number of cards that have been affected. Some say 50,000, and I did see an article that said up to millions of cards were affected. Yeah, I saw one article that sort of clarified a little bit and said it was like 50,000 businesses, because it was mostly business accounts that were impacted, and it was topping somewhere around 15 million cards, but none of that has been confirmed. Uh, this is one of those things, kind of 
like back in 2009, uh, I think it was like in February of 2009, there was a Heartland uh, breach that stole information from customers and processors. Yeah. Uh, this one is interesting because it actually has your track one and two data off of the uh, actual card. So hackers would actually be able to reproduce cards and go use them at will. Yes. Because there's there's like a card information and then there's track two data that has your uh, expiration date, your that pin. That CVI. Yeah, the CVV called? thing uh, and your expiration date and that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, not a good thing uh, to say the least. Uh, it actually caused us to have to do what they called hot carding uh, transactions. So usually if you go to an ATM or something and you use your card three times in a row and you enter the wrong pin, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it will do a hot card and you'll actually have to call the bank and say, Hey, right. I was misdoing my pin. Can you reset me or get rid of the hot card, which stops you from being able to make transactions. Uh, these, uh, cards that global payments uses are considered say, uh, gift cards, uh, they do a lot of processing for, uh, I believe they said, parking lot uh, systems, like where you might go to a parking lot and swipe your card. Uh, your uh, payment would go through a go payment, uh, global payment system in order to charge your account. So a lot of, a lot of these systems are, I guess, pass-throughs. So global payments would get it. They would pass it to the Visa or MasterCard uh, company and say, do they have money for it? And then actually charge you for it. So it's sort of a ping pong effect there. Uh, Visa on top of all of that, did a system update on Sunday afternoon, April 1st of all things. Yes. And they were out for about 45 minutes and they were quick to point out that it had nothing to do with the global payments snafu. Yeah, sure it did. Uh Uh (laughs) So, uh, just to be aware that they were updating their system and their backup now. Yes, and the group that I work with actually got paged at 2.45 on Sunday afternoon Eastern because (laughs) uh, Visa and credit card transactions were failing. Yeah. I didn't get called on that, thank goodness. But yes, it was a production level one. (gasps) Urgent! DEFCON 1. Oh God, what level are you? Uh, Well, if I was on call for that team, I would get that, but... Oh, different team. Yeah, just a different team. Oh, okay. So How anyway. do I know? I, uh, Should we do this one in the same group because it's sort of a credit cardy kind of thing? Well, yeah, why not? Uh, hackers are apparently able to steal your credit card information if you have to return or get or sell your Xbox 360, I guess. Yeah, um, apparently, if you no longer want your Xbox 360, Microsoft recommends you do a factory reset. Well, apparently... Say I say apparently yet again, the factory reset does not get rid of your credit card information. It deletes like the games you have on there and all that other kind of thing. But your sensitive data still remains on there. Yeah, I guess a couple of univers, two or three different universities last year purchased refurbished models uh, from Microsoft as well as on eBay and other places. And they did a lot of digging and analysis on it and found that, yes, if you dig down far enough, your information is still there, even though you do a reset, which is what Microsoft suggests. Uh, Microsoft has responded and say that they are looking into it and they will probably be sending out information possibly on how to 
remove information permanently. Yeah. And That's not a good thing. No, not at all. And the only way of, uh, currently you can get rid of it is doing a format of the hard drive or getting one of those random program things that puts ones and zeros just all over it. Yeah, and the guys at the universities were just using basic modification tools mm -hmm. uh, that you can get to mod your Xbox uh, 360. And it was took a little while of digging, but once they figured it out, they were able to find it on each one of the systems that were purchased. So eh, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you always have to worry about whether or not your information is actually physically gone from a hard drive when you sell it. Right. Uh, used to be I had a program, I think it's still out there, called Eraser that will do that. And it'll write over your hard drive with zeros and ones anywhere up to 35 times. Supposedly, it's it's a very good program. I think I still have it. Yeah, I think I do too, but I, I, <laughs> I don't install it much anymore. Uh, and you can use something like uh, Derek's Boot and Nuke to nuke a hard drive if you're planning to sell a new computer, and that will do sort of the same thing and write over the drive with zeros and ones. Yeah. But if you're planning to just throw one in the landfill, the best way to do it is to have someone put a drill bit actually in the platters in the hard drive. That way it's totally destroyed. Only one drill bit? Uh, you can do one. It's recommended that you do three. Huh. So but, it won't turn. Yeah, it will not turn. It will have a hole in the actual platter, and the magnetic data will be easily destroyed. That huh. Supposedly that works. I think that's kind of cool. Hmm. Guess what Sunday was, everyone? Well, actually, one more little thing here. Oh, gosh. Uh, you're trying to push me along. Uh, the White House is trying to encourage... Companies like AOL, Google, Microsoft, and Yahoo to be copyright cops. They're trying to make them police the internet for piracy websites. Yeah, which, I mean, they have ISPs agreeing to do the six strikes thing here in the U.S. that we talked about last week. They have other companies saying, okay, we'll try and watch for these kind of things. But these four particular companies have not really had much... Uh, to say about it and have not really put much effort towards it. Uh, it's unclear as to whether the White House is going to try and make law out of this uh, or what. Well, making law would be kind of hard, but I, just don't, I, just I can don't. see the logic in it. If all these companies have search engines, so the theory of the non-technically non minded politician is since they have search engines, they have algorithms that automatically search and group uh, data. So these algorithms should be keyed, and it should not be hard to key them towards discovering pirated data, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what they're, they're trying to say is that, well, if they, if they eliminate it from Yahoo, Google, AOL, Search, and Bing from Microsoft, I guess, I guess customers and people would not be impacted or seeing that information. But I mean, it puts a lot of responsibility on these companies mm -hmm. to have to try and come up with a way to do that. It's kind of like uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube censoring, you know, somebody puts up copywritten material. They have an algorithm that finds it and marks it as being invalid, you know, doesn't take into account how someone is actually using it. So yeah. right. slippery mm -hmm. slope. Mm -hmm. Now, Dean. Now let's talk about Sunday, April Fool's Day. Which we will specify is a process that, comes around every year here in the U.S. I don't think it's really found as being something 
useful or noted in the EU and other places. Oh yeah, of the world. they talk about it some, but I mean, I don't even know the origins of it. I don't know where it got started, but it always gives rise to pranks and jokes every year. Uh, and yeah, some some of the ones from this year that people have really been talking about are uh, Sony came up with a little laptop that is the size, size of, of a quarter. The size of a quarter, <laughs> which is kind of bizarre. How would you ever use it or type on it? I mean, my finger, my thumb is bigger than a quarter. Uh, anyway, uh, Google released several different things, which we have an article in the post for this that will have links to the various things. Um, they have a product that they're proposing for autonomous NASCAR. <laughs> uh, this is the Stock Car Racing Association here in the U.S., and they're saying that autonomous cars are coming to NASCAR. And the video is kind of cute because they actually have people from NASCAR talking about it being really a great thing and, and it'll help out. And people, they have a video showing a driver actually being able to read a book while he's in the middle of the race. And what about the Google Tap app? Well, Google Tap is a way of bringing, well, it kind of made me think of the Braille iPhone app that people have been talking about where you can do iPhone Braille. You well, know. This is more But this is, this is Google Tap, which is actually going to allow you to use Morse code on your cell phone to type messages. They even have in there the fact that you can double tap. <laughs> you can tap on the bottom and the top of the cell phone and actually send messages to two different people at one time. <laughs> uh, this video is hilarious because towards the end, it's like the video is only like 217. It's like a minute 45 in. They actually have LL Cool J, uh, the rapper actor and such in there and he's like yeah it's a great thing you can uh but he's he's playing like a google representative yeah uh and they don't even mention that he's ll cool j but you can tell it's him and he's like yeah you can tap it in the morning you can tap it in the evening you can <laughs> tap it in the bathroom you can tap it everywhere you know Taking the double entendre yes, to tapping. use there. Yes. Um, Didn't they have some kind of dual mouse thing for Chrome? <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> also got the, um, let's see, what did they call it? They called it the Chrome multitask mode. They have where you can have two mice at the same time. This is kind of funny because one guy is talking like, yeah, I'm an uh, architect and I am one of these people that I get so uh, wrapped up into one project and it's a life or death situation and I really worry about that but now that I'm able to work on two projects simultaneously it doesn't hardly bother me a bit <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, they also came out with the Google Fiber you know how they're going to spread uh, mm. they're going to spread internet to everyone around the world now well, they've come out with their own nutrition bar yeah that was kind of funny no word on how it tastes though uh, no mm. Uh, mm. one interesting one that you might want to watch is the Google Collections uh, no the YouTube YouTube Collections which is also by Google because Google owns YouTube uh, they'll actually send the digital experience to you on DVD. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. So that's kind of funny. And if you live on a slope, they'll send it by Paca or Alpaca or something like that. Um, I don't know. ThinkGeek had a few iPhone apps that were funny. Uh, yeah, one that I would 
easily purchase is the Hungry Hungry Hippos, which <laughs> is a kid's game. Uh, you sit your iPhone in it, and it will put like little, uh, I guess it's supposed to be the old marbles on the screen, and you have little plastic hippos that you hit and try to grab the marbles, just like in the old-timey game. So that's kind of funny. And uh, the Barbie one. Yeah, the Barbie, what did they call it here? The Barbie... Uh, digital fashion styling head for iPad. You actually put your iPad in sort of a upper torso model of Barbie. Has eyes, nose, and face on your actual iPad screen, and you're able to actually do her makeup, I guess. And her hair. Yeah, it's got it's got hair around it. Looks just like Barbie, except there's a screen and a button where her chin should be. Uh, that that was kind of interesting. Uh, just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff, goofy things, miniature nuclear generators, all kinds of things. So uh, the Engadget article gives a nice roundup of all the different things. Um, and one last one that we tweeted, people got irritated with us for tweeting it, but that's okay. Uh, and I almost fell for it as well. Um, Drew Weber, known as Rooster Loop on Twitter, put together a really cool recording of the new Eloquence patch for the iPhone. Wait, that's not real? For $10, you can go to the App Store and get an Eloquence uh, speech synthesizer to put on your iPhone to use instead of Samantha. And he actually made a recording, made it sound like it was coming from the phone and everything. It was hysterical. Yeah, that's pretty ingenious. And we posted it on Sunday. Um through Tech Access Weekly, and uh, it was funny. Well, I almost fell to. for it. You have to. It's it's just that amusing. It was. It was good. And people get all bent out of shape over things like that. You know why they get bent out of shape? Because they fell for it. Exactly. That's why. Exactly. Precisely. Oh, it's got to be fake. Got to be fake. Ah. I'm sorry. I, I hope it. no one fell for your stupid joke. Yeah. Ah. But it was funny. I don't know. It was it was funny and had to be promoted since you could tell he spent a lot of time on it. Oh yeah. So anyway. And now, into the world of social networking. <gasps> oh, my God. I wonder if there's a way if I can tell how many girls are around me. Yeah, this is really kind of spooky. This Russian app developer called iFree uh, put together this iPhone app that uses uh, services, location services like Foursquare and other um, apps that let you broadcast your location to determine how many single women are in your immediate vicinity and where they are. And you can also view their profiles that they've got on Foursquare or Facebook or wherever uh, to know a lot about them. So theoretically, it could enable people to, like, stalk women. Yeah, and they said that they were not using anything that you can't get publicly. They were using people's Foursquare. They were using Mm -hmm. the Foursquare API to to grab location data, which Foursquare immediately removed their access to the API. Uh, Apple removed it from the App Store, so you can't get it anymore. But they were using basically social networking to find where people were as far as a bar and things like that. But it wasn't portrayed as being that way. No, and note the past tense. The app, I believe, has been removed from the App Store. Yes, it was removed because so, it was broken because it was built off of yeah, Foursquare. And you know. Foursquare said no, and so it went away. I guess there's I guess there's dating apps. Um, I was listening to the tail end of This Week in Google, and they were talking about some apps like 
uh, I guess there's a blender and tingle and a couple other things highlight that was really big at South by Southwest that is sort of made as being a dating application. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, eh, I don't know. It seems creepy. Oof, creeped me out. But hey, probably somebody that's desperate. Facebook Facebook. has uh, rolled out... um, The timeline for brands. Brand pages. Yeah, so if you've got a brand page, you can now have the timeline feature enabled and customize it to show whatever you want. Uh, You know, status updates, photo updates, all that kind of thing. As if you were an individual, but tailoring it to your brand. Yeah, and one uh, company that has done this is Spotify. And if you go to the Spotify uh, brand page on Facebook, if you can use it because it's not tremendously accessible, uh, they have actually got a timeline that chronicles over a thousand years of music. This is really cool. Anything from popular to obscure, they have just tons and tons of different things that you can find and purchase. They have everything from early experimentation with two-part harmony uh, in the Middle Ages to... um, the phonograph recordings uh, as early as 1857, which I did an experimental podcast on those, by the way. Uh, and also the, you know, everything about iPods and, you know, digital music collections. And you can listen to all the really obscure stuff. And, and I just think that's amazing. Yeah, which I didn't realize that with the timeline, you can actually set the dates for different things. Like if you post a bunch of pictures, it'll take whatever date you put it in. But then you're actually able to go back and edit oh, yeah. what dates they occurred right. and that kind of thing. I didn't know you that. You kind of wouldn't want to post a picture from uh, childhood in 2012 and not be able to reset the date on it. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of wouldn't be good. But the interesting thing about the timeline pages for brands is that people that had less than a million, a million or less followers actually gained interaction with people that were interested in them by creating a timeline of their events. But companies that had more than a million, say 10 to 15 million followers, uh, it seemed like their interactions had kind of decreased after they enabled uh, timeline for whatever reason. It was kind of odd uh, that that would happen. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't have timeline on my page yet, I don't believe. I don't either. But it I will don't be, even know. But I don't it remember. will be pushed out to uh, normal everyday users uh, here in the soon. The we keep saying weeks. that, but we really mean it this time. Yeah, because it's still not out to everybody. No. And more Facebook news. Um, <sighs> more school news with Facebook. Okay, last week we had mentioned uh, issues with people posting things in various places. Well, mm-hmm. a school. The Jewish School for Girls in Brooklyn, New York, has ordered 11th grade girls to delete their Facebook accounts or face a $100 fine. Or even expulsion. What? That was also listed as one of the possible punishments. Yeah. From the way the article reads, the school has a policy saying that uh, kids should not have a Facebook account. They should not be using it. Uh, This policy has been in place for two years. But... Parents are completely confused because, well, there was a vote last fall for some event that was going on. And how did students and parents vote? Well, Well, on on Facebook. Facebook. 
Egad. And and the school tried to make it seem that well, parents could have cast their children's votes from their account. So we didn't necessarily mean that children should have a, had had to have a Facebook account in order to vote for this or participate in this or whatever it was. So I don't know. Very confusing situation. Yeah, and it the article kind of claimed that the school system was saying that because they were a religious school, that sharing all this type of information is not good or is not is frowned upon is because frowned of it upon. being a religious institution. Well, maybe I so. I, I I don't know. It was weird. It was strange logic. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Another school-related Facebook incident. Six boys at the Infant Jesus Academy in the Philippines, Mar- Marikina City of the Philippines, have had their diplomas suspended because of pictures. Yeah, um, they were going to graduate uh. from school, and it was time for graduation. And somehow, a picture that they all posted on their Facebook pages came up, and it was a like photoshopped, modified picture of them. I guess separate pictures put together in such a way that they looked like they were kissing. Yeah. It, uh, and they were just fooling around and thought it was funny, so they posted it on their Facebook pages. And now the school uh, initially said they could not attend graduation ceremonies or have their diplomas. Now they're saying you can go to the graduation ceremony, but we're going to keep your diploma. You're not going to get it. They're going to get graduation credit, so they're going to be able to attend colleges and everything, but they won't get their diploma, actual paper diploma, because of this picture. So it just proves you, you, you really have to worry about who you friend, what you paste and post everywhere. Uh... And this last story also relates to a photo that someone posted on her Facebook Why, page. yes. Teacher's aide Kimberly, Kimberly Hester of Frank Square Elementary School in Cassopolis, Michigan, has been suspended by her school system because she will not give the superintendent the administrator rights to her Facebook account. I think we talked about this last year, if I'm not mistaken. There's several of these. Last year, uh, she she posted a picture on her Facebook of somebody she knew with their pants down or something. I don't know. It was another teacher, I think, at some function, and they had their pants down around their ankles, and they took just she took a picture of just their from like knees, knees down, down or whatever. Yeah. And apparently, one of the students uh, in her class, one of their parents, is the friend of Kimberly Hester on Facebook, and, and was it. offended by it. And so the superintendent and all those other people asked her for her Facebook password. She refused to give it to them. They put her on suspension and administrative leave. She's currently still on leave. And she has filed a lawsuit against the school system for asking for this information. She still has not provided it, of course. And uh, we'll see where this goes. Hopefully, uh, I think talks are supposed to start soon, like next month. So we'll see what happens with it. I mean, like we said last week, this is this is like going into your house. I know. You know, I mean, it's, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll pick, uh, select, uh, listeners to the podcast and we'll go visit their homes and investigate, grab pictures and, and bank statements and things Mm -hmm. and and sort of get some better demographic information about Mm -hmm. our listeners. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. You know, maybe around the first of June when when we, when we're planning to go to Kansas. Exactly. Uh, you know, after our trip to Kansas which will take place around the 1st of June. More on that in a later podcast. 
Um, we will go, you know, around to our listeners, various parts of the world, and, you know, break into their houses and look at all their info and yeah. get on their computers. and Find out what perverts they really are. Exactly. Okay. And just a short follow-up to information covered in a previous podcast. The social network app for iOS called Path has started encrypting data. Uh, this is a company that I guess is still run out of someone's garage. Not <laughs> sure how big the garage is, uh, but it's one of these sites. It's one of these apps and sites where you can actually share with like 150 friends. You're supposed to actually use it kind of like you would on Facebook as friends. Yeah. Uh, but supposedly they are going to anonymize your last name, phone numbers, email addresses, Twitter handles, and Facebook IDs for anyone involved with their social network. So that's a good thing. Uh, they were slapped pretty good along with other uh, other applications on mobile systems because whenever people would click that button that says, hey, you want to look on your email account for friends that might be on our system as well or to invite them, you know, they were pulling it up to their system and saving it for 18 months for what purpose. So they're going to try and uh, curve that a little bit and get rid of some of the criticism. So good for them. Good for them. Excellent. Now we'll head into wackadoodle law because, well, just because those Facebook stories were not quite crazy enough, Arizona is trying to pass a crazy amendment that wants to make lewd and profane language bad on the Internet. Well, they want to ban it. Yeah. And so what Frack! they, I, what they, what they did was they um, got a, one of their laws about uh, harassing telephone calls and stalking. And wherever there was the word telephone, they put internet. So essentially, it has the effect of saying you will not use lewd or profane or obscene language on the internet, um, you know, and gives punishments and all this kind of thing, uh, you know, to disturb anyone's peace, quiet enjoyment, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, so what they did, essentially, is they didn't take into account the fact that uh, telephone communication and internet communication are very different forms of talking to one another. Uh, telephone communication, you are talking to one particular person at a time. It is an isolated kind of thing. The internet, everything's going out globally, so it's a completely different type of speech. And it just seems like they're ignorant and don't understand that. Which is how most legislators are. Yeah, and like. this has not been passed or anything. It's just a proposal at this point. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, that would be very hard to police something like that. Because how can you tell who posts what and from where it's coming? How would you police that? I guess the only place that it would give them leeway would be maybe if there was like a bully case. That's the only thing I can yeah, come I up know, with but, but where how like could a they... student is bullying another one and they're defaming them in some... I mean, I think that's what it was intended to do. But at the same time... How do you, you know, how do you police that? I mean, do you monitor the email? I mean, do you, is this something you police all the time or just in certain circumstances? Yeah, that's what really isn't clear. It's not. According to this amendment. Yeah, it's not tremendously clear. Uh, Another. I I mean, I could see it used for those purposes. Oh, yeah. Making it, okay, you're you're driving this person crazy about. But. But it doesn't need, they have other laws that provide for that kind of thing. This doesn't seem to be necessary. I don't know. Whack-a-doodle. 
uh, a North Carolina town, very near and dear to our hearts, Chapel Hill, has passed an ordinance stating that you are not allowed to use your tech, your your text phone, your cell phone in any manner while driving. This includes talking with a phone to your ear, talking with headphones, talking um, hands free, texting anything. Unless now, now this this is where it's getting a lot of criticism. Now, now Chapel Hill is is a liberal town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one of these towns that is a small college town. Uh, the community is, hmm, I'd say, fairly old and set in its ways as far as some of its policies. But if you want to use your cell phone, you can do so. If you're calling a family member, kids, doctor, 911, parents, that kind of thing. How in the world are you going to go and police this if a police (laughs) officer stops you and says, hey, you were using the phone. Well, I was talking to my daughter. Well, they can only stop you if they're they can only call you on that if they're stopping you for something else. It's one of these weird laws. Like if they're stopping you to give you a speeding ticket, they could bring this up. But if they just see you driving down the road and they don't have anything to catch you on, they can't stop you for it, for talking on your cell phone. It's in the article. Trust me. Yeah, I know. I, I know. So I'm, it's, I'm, it's, it's one of these things that you're just kind of like, the this more is stupid. I, the more I hear it, the more stupid it sounds. <laughs> I know. It's Why, just silly. We're, we're only going to do it if, if you're stopped in a traffic violation otherwise. <sighs> yes. Mm-hmm. Lived in Chapel Hill for many, many years. Enjoyed many. Chapel Hill. They have a free public transit system and are really good and everything. But what the heck? I don't, I, I just don't. Don't you mean what the frack? Yeah. In a very quick story, if you are one of those users of a Android tablet, you will be happy to know that you can now have Hulu Plus. Yay. I guess. It works on seven seven different tablets now. And, of course, if you go to Hulu.com, you can see a list of all the yeah. different tablets. Just wanted to mention it because a lot of people are interested in different places that they can uh, use these applications for streaming media. And it mm-hmm. might help you to mention it. I actually have brought up little quirky things like this at work. And people are like, really? You can get TV on a tablet on your iPad? Really? Yeah. Wow. Whoa. So anyway, maybe you can smell... Or maybe you can uh, seem a little bit smarter at the next cocktail party you're at. Uh, similar to the article we mentioned earlier, the MPAA wants to wants more criminal cases brought against rogue sites. Yeah, and and they they want uh, and just how they're going to go about doing it, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, this is kind of related to the mega upload issue where they shut the U.S. government shut down mega upload because of uh, copywritten information. Well, uh, Alfred Perry, uh, who is uh, vice president of Param- uh, for the defense of Paramount Pictures, oof, too many P's there. Um, he rec- suggested that they also need to go against people like. Uh, put locker and upload w upload uh file serve file serve uh deposit files and media fire which i have heard of scary enough yeah i think i've heard of file serve too but put locker mm-hmm. and w deposit upload files. i haven't heard anyway of. 
So it's something that if you are using one of these sites, you may want to be concerned about people trying to go after them just yeah. like they did mega upload because <laughs> there e- is a big thing going on right now because the MPAA does not want mega uploads defense attorneys to have access to their servers they claim they need access to the mega upload defense lawyers claim they need access to the servers so the company can properly present its case because they need to know what's on them the data that's on them and the MPAA doesn't want them to have access to it because they are concerned that the pirated movies and stuff that are on the mega upload servers will just be put back out in the internet sphere all over again. Yeah, so you might not get your data back. That's one reason also that they would like to get it back is so that they can give users back their valid, yeah, correct absolutely. stuff. Uh, the MPAA is also asking the court system to actually assist in paying for support for the 25,000 servers that they have in place, which is costing them about $500,000 to support and continue running. Uh, They're wanting to be able to either uh, wipe these servers so that they can use them elsewhere. That's kind of nice. Let's uh, grab this company's 25,000 servers so that we can use them for our own purposes. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem right either. No, it really doesn't. There's a lot of things here in this week's episode that just, just don't... don't seem right and are stupid. People make silly. That's what we could have called the should have called this episode. Silly questions. Yeah, probably should. Hmm. Anyway. There, wasn't there a website called Stupid Answers? Uh, there's a lot of websites out there. So I'll just say probably. Yeah. <laughs> On to accessibility news and still sort of television related. Um, there have been new rules proposed for accessible uh, for video captioning by the FCC. Actually, not proposed. They are now, I believe, enacted uh, or will be. Once they're entered into the Federal Register, they will become active. When that is, I don't actually know. Um, videos viewed over the internet must have closed captioning, even if the videos are displayed on television. Also. Uh, at the time. Let's see. Well, I think there is a, I think there was another ruling last year sometime that said that uh, so many cable stations had to be closed captioned yeah. and things. But this is all and, stations. And this is kind of pushing the fact that okay, yeah. all stations need to be giving information to the hearing impaired, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's reruns or live broadcast or on the internet, which right. is which is a big step. I mean, it's, it's telling people that, you know, just because uh, 30 Rock is available, which oh, God. season six is crappy. Oh, um, even though, torture. Even though 30 Rock is on television and it's closed captioned for the hearing impaired on television, you also got to do it. It still has to be done if you're streaming it yeah, on the web. On Hulu or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of a little bit different take on the legislation that was being talked about last year, where I think it was like every cable company had to have at least five kids stations that yeah. were yeah uh, that was late last fall. closed captioned and mm-hmm. 25 other stations had to be uh closed captioned yeah. as well you know and i think the eu even had some legislation on that we had previously discussed and so not no word yet as to when these you know go into effect but it shouldn't be too long now panasonic is as we talked before releasing their viera models of televisions yeah that's v-i-e-r-a yes and they are coming out in the uk 
you can purchase the TVs, and when you bring them home and you try and install the software on them, or however they work, not quite sure how they I work. I guess there's a menu item that will you, you will now be able to turn yeah, on text-to-speech. Text-to-speech. And so what this will do is it will enable it. Uh, it works, of course, by using your Wi-Fi. That whole TV is based on you know you having a Wi-Fi network in your house. And it can download all sorts of things for you. And the text-to-speech will read not only menus of selections that you have, but also give you information about the shows that are on each station, what times they're on, uh, and all that. So you can set up a show schedule. It will allow you to set up a, a viewing schedule. And the part that's not clear as to whether that will actually work with a cable box. Yeah, we're not really sure how that works. Uh, it seems like it would probably work with your antenna system or over-the-air television, you know, because once you plug it into a cable box, you're not using the on-screen uh, guide and everything yeah. that comes with the television. So it's a little little fuzzy on to mm. how that all will work but i think maybe something like the ocean blue will i hope for, so uh cable boxes that'd be cool uh the american foundation for the blind has released the 2012 access awards its version of the x its own access awards the winners will be presented with their uh well will be uh presented the awards uh at a may 4th conference in uh st petersburg florida i believe and the winners include uh, NV Access, which is the company behind NVDA, uh, Leader Dogs for the Blind, which has a uh, course in training guide dogs for visually impaired users and also has an orientation and mobility week-long crash course <laughs> for people wanting better mobility, uh, wanting to receive better mobility skills. Another uh, organization or Website, or I don't know what you want to call it, that got an award is the MLB.com website, uh, Major League Baseball website, uh, for their uh, efforts in making uh, streaming of broadcast accessible to the visually impaired, not only through the website, but also through their iPhone app. Yes, their um, app is pretty good uh, from what I understand as far as voiceover use. Mm-hmm. Uh, the app this year is actually free, but the audio service for a season, I believe, is like 14 mm-hmm. bucks or something. And another award is going to the woman who founded Campability. This is a series of 18, I think, uh, basically athletic camps where visually impaired youth can go and play sports and learn how to do different uh, athletic things. Uh, and they train people, not train kids not only for just in how to do different sports and physical activities, but also uh, assist in training people for the Paralympics. So um, uh, Campability uh, got also uh, a access award from AFB. So those are the four winners. I, I think there were only four. Uh, uh-huh. And previous winners included Apple and I think Disney uh, for the audio described um, device that they have. Yeah. And uh, a full list can be found in our show notes. Well, yes, they can. Um, the Justice Department here in the U.S. is involving itself in New Hampshire's uh, lawsuit that's going on um, with the state mental board of mental health. Um, the state mental health institutions somehow are segregating, uh, are refusing to provide services to disabled people. Um, and I guess this is like group services, uh, and they're providing services to disabled people, but only 
organizing them into disabled groups of people. Uh, apparently, the ADA prohibits segregating on you know, on the basis of disability, uh, unless, of course, the disability is, um, well, pro- prohibits segregating on the basis of disability in terms of activities and things that, that uh, public institutions put together. So the Justice Department is getting involved in this, and what they're actually doing is not very clear. But they're trying to uh, prohibit this from going on, I guess. Hmm. That's all I know. Ah. Um, an app called Speak for Yourself is be the startup that developed the iPhone app is being sued by another company. Speak for Yourself is a startup that developed an app by the same name that sells for around two fifty two hundred and fifty dollars in the iPad in the i in the iOS app store, and um, it allows children who are mute or otherwise have speech impediments to communicate. Um, and of course, you, you, they point to symbols and other things on the screen to string together sentences like, I would like a glass of water, or I would like orange juice instead of milk, things like that. So they can communicate at least basic needs. Um, and a company that has created a tablet to do the same thing is suing the startup because they're saying that the method in which uh, the symbol method that this app company is using uh, is patented by them. And so no one else can use it. Basically. Yeah, I guess they're claiming that because you are actually able to click on a button yeah. on the touch screen and you can reassign it to something else, you know, like if. You don't ever eat apricots, but you want to make it say aloe vera or something. You yeah. can change the meaning of the button. Right. And they're saying that since they do it, no one else should be able to do it. Yeah. And it basically comes down to the fact that they have a men's speak touchscreen device that they want to sell you for probably hundreds or thousands of dollars. It's about 10 times the cost of this app. So yeah. about 2500 or more dollars. Yeah, so a $399 iPad 2 plus a... $250 app equals... Yeah. Set against... I mean, yeah, they just want their money. That's all they want. Yeah, they're just wanting that. I mean, it sounds like it will do just as good as things like ProLoco to go, and Mm -hmm. I believe we... Which is $170 or $80. uh, It's a different kind of app. Yeah, it's autistic. It's different, but... but it's still kind of got the same principles. You yeah, can, you it can does. You create the your same own thing. key maps and mm-hmm. you can reassign them. Yeah. So I don't know what their deal is. They just want their money. That's pretty they much just it. Wanna, they just want to uh, preserve their ghetto product. Pretty uh, much. It's a wonder that someone hasn't uh, taken their ghetto device for identifying dollars and say that the. Uh, Looktel. Looktel is violating Or the their. government app that does the same thing is violating it. Get the government involved. Yeah, but that was god-awful, and it was free. <laughs> it was horrible. I think it's still out there. I, I think it's still around. Uh, okay, so a Danish company is developing a hearing aid that yeah. will allow you to string to stream audio content from your TV or computer through your hearing aid. Yeah. This G- is really cool. <laughs> GN Resound, R-E-S-O-U-N-D, a Danish company, has come up with this... Very small hearing aid that you can actually say, hey, I want to sync it with my television or my MP3 player or my radio or something. And it will actually pick it up just like a, from a transmitter. And uh, there's not a whole heck of a lot of information on it, 
But it's just cool because if you want to interact with your television, you press a button. If you want to interact with your stereo, you can press a different button in order to make it sync with that. So yeah. it seems pretty ingenious and the fact that it's only centimeters big. Mm-hmm. Little bitty thing. Yeah. Little bitty I thing. I think it was only like two by three, two centimeters by three centimeters or something like that. Uh, so there is a link to the article concerning that if you know someone that might be interested in blasting their hearing out or what's left of their hearing with their stereo. A company based in Massachusetts is saying that it is developing a flying car and that the car will be out as early as 2013. Yeah, Terrafugia, T-E-R-R-A-F-U-G-I-A, of Woburn, 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 something like that. W-O-B-U-R-N, Massachusetts, has come up with the transition. Last week, we talked about the Google self-driving car. Well, now you'll actually be able to consider purchasing a flying flying car. car. It is a two-seater vehicle with wheels and wings. So you can drive it with the wings folded into the body of the car, or you can fly it. And it has sustained flights of, I think, 1,500 feet for approximately eight minutes. Yeah, it did. Its first flight was 1,400 feet for eight minutes, and whereas a commercial jet will fly at 35,000 feet. Uh, it has been pre-ordered by 100 people for $10,000 down payments, and the unit will cost apparently $279,000. It can go 70 miles per hour on the highway or 115 in the air. So Hmm. if you hear basically a single engine puddle jumper, as we would call (laughs) it, that is sort of a Cessna or something, that's about how fast those little buggers go. You know, yeah. So mm-hmm. hold next 25. year, though, that seems a little soon. Yeah, based on the eight minutes in the air at only fifteen, fourteen hundred feet. Yeah, and this does not seem to be a really uh, something that probably will happen and be well adopted because it's not something like a helicopter, which there are personal helicopter things out there. Uh, similar to this that actually go straight up this one you actually have to have a runway to take off that's dumb so you'd have to have parking lots or something developed so that you would actually have a ramp or something to go up with. my god we use enough space for parking in this country as it is well actually most of the space in parking lots are creating mazes so that you can't figure out how in the heck to get out of a parking lot (laughs) but anyway it uses a 23 gallon tank and Burns five gallons per hour when in the air. So all the math nerds out there can do math to find out how far you would actually be able to travel. Not very far. Not really. You'd only be able to stay in the air for four hours. Then you'd have to fall down and get, that's 460 miles. You'd have to land at your nearest Walmart for a fill-up. <laughs> of jet fuel? I, somehow I don't think so. Well, actually, it runs off of uh, regular automotive fuel. I can see it now. Hey, uh, yeah, we got to stop off at this BP station down here. Uh, I think I can make it. <laughs> They're not too Ooh, crowded. My wings are just a flapping. Yeah. Fold them in. It seems like. And what if that little folding thing doesn't work and you're like down on the ground with the big wings just out there? Or, or, or worse yet, there's a malfunction and the wings shut up right in the middle of the air. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think ah, we're going down we're now. Falling. 
Okay, to prove that things can't get more confusing and you're never too old to get married. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis has married yet again. Holy! This is a strange one. <laughs> he married in 1957 his 13-year-old first cousin first twice removed. Cousin twice removed. Whatever in the heck twice removed means. Um Myra Gail Brown. Yes. Then he went on to marry. Oh, they were married for 13 years and got divorced. She was 13. He was 23. Yeah, it kind of killed his career uh, right there in the middle. Uh, if, if it's sort of accurate, but not tremendously accurate. But there is a uh, Great Balls of Fire movie that you can probably get on Netflix to watch that kind of depicts his rise and fall mm -hmm. because of that uh, marriage. And they were married for 13 years. Then they divorced and he married five other people. Now he is marrying again for a seventh time to Judy Brown, his current caregiver. Brown is a very common last name. Yeah, very true. Very true. Very common. However, you could this... probably throw a ball and hit 10 of them. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> However, this is a lot less common. Judy Brown is Myra Brown's brother's ex-wife say what jerry brown judy brown is rusty brown myra's brother's ex-wife so jerry lee lewis is marrying his ex-wife's brother's ex-wife who is his second cousin twice removed or something like that yeah <laughs> I'm trying to make it as confusing as possible. You don't have to try. <laughs> so he's married. His ex-wife, his first wife was his cousin. He's so, marrying her brother's ex-wife. So, so basically, Jerry Lee married Myra, who had a brother named Rusty. Rusty then went on to marry Judy. Judith. Or Judy, whichever, whichever the heck it is. Well, now Rusty and Judith are divorced, and he's mar and Jerry is marrying... Judith, Judy, whatever her name is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Strange. Yeah. Very strange. That's almost, well, it's almost as confusing, but not quite as confusing as the Ray Stevens song, I Am My Own Grandpa. Oh, my God. You have to look that one up if you've never heard it, because <laughs> he goes through tremendous just gyrations, <laughs> just like we tried to do, in confusing everyone that... Myra is related to Rusty, who married Judith, who is now married to Jerry Lee, who divorced Myra. Myra. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> it's a really funny song. But yes, it describes the situation very, very well. Ay! Mm. Great balls of fire. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yet another possible title for this episode that we didn't think about. Actually, I did think about it, but it was a little cliche. Yeah, True. And speaking of cliches, and apparently this podcast is almost over. Oh, God. This has been Tech Access Weekly, episode... 134. If you'd like to check out the show notes and articles considered for this podcast, you can head over to delicious.com slash techaccess slash... 134. If you would like to check out the Melting Pot Show on Mushroom FM from Sunday at 
7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, you can do so by going to MushroomFM.com. And if you would like to check out Sarah Spectives and listen to my wonderful, fabulous voice yet again, uh, tune in at eight at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on tomorrow night, April 5th, uh, for this month in tech for March. And yeah, I was on there once, and they didn't invite me back. Well, we were both on there once, and we've both been invited back separately. I haven't oh, been wait, invited. I this haven't... is my second time alone. Yeah, so you've been on Sarah three times. That's true. I haven't been on but once, I guess I guess. No, just you were wasn't... on there twice. No, I was on there once. No. I was on EOL once. We were on Sarah back when it was whatever it was called formerly zero talk tech chat yeah there you go i was uh, on that one we were on there together as tech access yeah. weekly then you were on it again no you weren't on it again Mm-mm. i thought you were on it one more time nope oh i'm just not blind enough for them i guess let's not go there <laughs> So anyway, if you want to hear my wonderful dulcet tones, uh, tune in at 9 p.m. Eastern for that. More of my dulcet tones, along with those of Shannon Curry, can be heard on the next Book Hoarders Anonymous podcast, which will be coming out shortly, dealing with The Hunger Games. And we will have some new homework as well to give you, as well as some other current book news. So, so stay tuned for all of this wonderfulness. He gets. Oh, my God. Could we plug a few more things in there? Oh, I'm I'm out of breath now. I'm spent. Exhausted. So at this point, we will simply say... I'm Rodney Edgar on Twitter. And I'm Aaron Edgar. Bye. Bye. Bye.